Local news, talk, sports, and the hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Kane 107.5. Good morning and welcome to Bayou Sports here on this Monday, July the 18th. And uh, Jeff, uh, of course, a little bit of everything again uh, this morning during the summer months. Of course, uh, tonight, uh, All-Star Game, uh, Home Run Derby. Uh, we'll see how that's going to play out. Albert Pujols will be in that number. Uh, don't know if we have our call yet this early or not. Not sure if it's meant to be on air, but let's go ahead and go to the phones and say hello. You're in the air. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Tony. This is uh, Stony. Uh, yes. Hey, uh, just to, you know, not to, uh, before y'all get started on your shoulder day, just a little Fitbit what happened over this past weekend in the uh, world of uh, wrestling. All right. Uh, well, we had a show in Morgan City. And uh, H.M. Flair shows up <laughs> at the show and, uh, and uh, decides that he's going to interfere with the match and uh, jumps me from behind and, uh, and then commits to telling me that the Rolex watch, the ostrich uh, skin boots can't afford it, but you can taste them. And uh, wind up hitting me with the boot, you know. So oh. he's trying to build up for the uh, big match in August. Well, he, he failed to realize that he signed the contract because uh, when I reminded him after uh, after I got back up and and, and told him that uh, August thirteenth, me and you in the ring, he he, he makes a comment of. Uh, I got plans that day. Yeah, he's gonna be planting sugar cane, probably. You do. You got plans. You got plans to see me in the ring. It's a no. It's my birthday, and I got a party to go to. The no, the party's gonna be in Generac on uh, August the (laughs) thirteenth. Yeah. So, yeah, he, 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 and then he realized after the fact when his manager told him, "Oh yeah, you did sign that paperwork." He said, "I thought I was signing an autograph." No, no, no autograph. He signed a contract. Yeah, it so, was his autograph yeah. on the contract. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, keep us abreast, and uh, hopefully we can get you on maybe a week or so before that uh, excitement starts and uh, have you explain yeah, a little bit more sure what's going to take place, man. We're, we're looking forward to that. Yeah. I and mean, once I get the video uh, of it, I'll send it over to y'all the way y'all can uh, view and, and see what exactly happened. But, uh, yeah, he uh, – he did it again, you know. <laughs> Unbelievable. Hugh Matthew. Oh, yeah, I hear you. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, Stoney, right, hey, thanks for uh, giving us a call, good, man. Appreciate it. Good show, and uh, good luck to you all today. All right. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Anyway, uh, with regards, uh, I even saw where I think the Buffalo Bills, and seems like uh, one other team uh, is opening training camp today, too, Jeff. I think the Bills uh, – up in New York? No, uh, I, I know traditionally the Canton game, the Hall of Fame team uh, participants, they do open camp maybe a week before the others. But, there was, yeah, maybe those are the two teams, because uh, I heard that on new, on the news this morning. Of course, the Open Championship over in England, uh, baseball had its uh, draft uh, started, uh, I believe, last night, and it I think another rounds three to ten today, and then the conclusion. I, I don't know. Is is baseball shooting themselves in the foot? Uh, doing the All Star game at the same time as the draft. I know they didn't have a Sunday night game last night in part uh, because 
the all-star break and uh, giving everybody equal right. footing as far as travel time, I guess. But uh, I just wonder if, you know, they're trying to showcase the draft, but then uh, it's going to be overshadowed by on-field stuff. Yeah, you're right about that. And, you know, it takes away from the glamour of the All-Star game. Of course, the baseball draft for years was hidden from everybody. We, no one knew where anybody went and what round. And baseball trying to take advantage of some publicity, uh, whether good or bad, uh, have uh, the draft now on the Major League Baseball Network, if you do have it. I'm not sure ESPN carries it. They might have maybe some uh, captions at the bottom of the screen with regards to who's drafted, when and where, and by who. But uh, you know, so, someone asked me why isn't the Major League Baseball draft is noted as say the NFL draft, and it's because the immediate impact is not made. Very few of these players are going to jump. Uh, I mean, it's almost next to never uh, that a player is drafted and then goes right to the big club. That's right. You know, they they can meander uh, in the minor leagues for two, three, sometimes seven years before they make it to the big club, and. That's why people don't take note. It's You can be drafted number one, but it doesn't mean you're going to go anywhere. That's right. And uh, I've seen a lot of players, uh, some here in this area, that had opportunities to uh, to play in uh, the Major League Baseball. But uh, like you said, uh, some eight, seven, eight, nine years. And after a while, you just get discouraged thinking that maybe you'd have a chance to uh, move up. But in the meantime, uh, you linger down there making, uh, what, maybe $800 a month? Now, that that, that, that seems to be uh, in discussion, too, right now. Because that's right. Because minor league uh, players, I don't know if it is a minor league players association, but uh, there is a lawsuit going on trying to get some better reasonable compensation. Yeah, not only that, but also the minor leagues cut – Cut away, what, almost half their uh, teams this uh, past year? Uh, many, yeah. You know, a lot the, the of... lower level. Right, leagues. yeah, these some of these rookie leagues and D-leagues and things of that nature where the expenses were just the same as any other club. And uh, they did this in regards to just a, a money situation. And, and, st- and they used to go, what, out 45, 50 rounds. Now they're down to 20. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, uh, the number one pick last night, uh, Jackson Holiday. Uh, if that Holiday name sounds familiar, it's Matt Holiday's son, who's a shortstop at, at uh, in Oklahoma at Fort. I, I think it was. Uh, I want to say Fort Stills. It might be uh, uh, Stillwater. That's where he's from. Stillwater, home of Oklahoma State. Matter of fact, he committed to Oklahoma State. Six one, one hundred seventy five pounder. Hit 600 in high school. That's pretty impressive to hit 600 in high school. I think he hit six homers, drove in 70 runs, stole 30 bases. Uh, some big-time stats on the young man uh, uh, being drafted uh, number one. And uh, also the, the big flamethrower from Vanderbilt, I think, went third. He was picked last year but decided to stay in school another year. And uh, local news, uh, LSU's uh, highest pick uh, was um, – the young man uh, who transferred from Arizona. Jacob Berry? Uh, yeah, Jacob Berry, along with uh, another familiar name uh, who was picked, I think, third or fourth, uh, and that's uh, Andrew Jones, uh, who went to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Of course, Jones being the son of uh, former Atlanta Brave uh, center fielder, Andrew Jones, and they called him Drew Jones. So um, Another LSU player taken 78th, Cade Doughty. Yes, 
and uh, I'm trying to see if there were Blue any Jays, other, by the way. Yeah, any other locals taking. I didn't see anyone in that regard. Rounds three to ten can go on tonight, and uh, the shortstop uh, uh, Jackson Holiday, the first selection. Uh, and on Sunday, the biggest shock they said came with the number third pick overall, and that was the young man Kumar Rocker, the highly touted pitching prospect who famously did not sign with the Mets last season. And uh, Rocker now joins his former Vanderbilt teammate Jack Leiter, who was picked uh, second overall by the Rangers. Having that's amazing, having the second and third pick and in, in the following drafts with your baseball pitchers is uh, pretty impressive. So Vanderbilt, uh, but Vanderbilt had a down year this year. I, I don't even think they made the uh, regionals, to be very honest with you. Uh, elsewhere, uh, of course, Rocco was uh, the 10th overall pick last summer, but the Mets ultimately did not offer him a contract after some concerns with his medical condition. And rather than return to Vanderbilt, Rocker made a five appearances for Tri-City uh, Valley Cats at the Independent Frontier League, uh, had a 1.35 ERA, 32 strikeouts, tw- four walks and 20 innings, and reportedly reaching 98 miles an hour on his fastball. Uh, elsewhere, uh, the Rangers expected to be able to sign Rocker for about $2 million less than the $7.59 million that is designated for the number three overall pick. You know, baseball has their slots with regards to uh, how much they can offer each player. Of course, those slots have really risen up in the last few years and all. Uh, elsewhere, um, I was trying to find that little uh, story. A Holiday, the son of seven-time All-Star Matt Holiday, an elite hitter who made significant strides in the several aspects of his game during his senior year at Stillwater High School. 6'1", 175-pounder, left-handed hitter, finished his senior year with a 685 batting average, not 600. Man. He was baseball America's. You can't pick up a ball, I don't think, and, and throw it for a base hit from home plate, uh, uh, Jeff, and, and, and hit 685 or throw it for 685. That's pretty impressive. No, no doubt. No yeah. doubt. Just hope he doesn't take up uh, flying private planes. I hope yeah. he, uh, that hobby, I hope, is... Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Uh, Matt Holliday, the dad's pretty uh, was pretty uh, as a as a player. He wasn't really one of those uh, loudmouths and uh, grabbing attention. Matt Holliday went about his business. Of course, uh, started off with Colorado Rockies and with the, the A's, and spent the majority of his career with the Cardinals, and finished up uh, his last year as a DH, I think, with the Yankees. So. Uh, of course, a lot of people don't realize Matt Holliday was a parade All-American quarterback. I, I'm confusing Halliday, the pitcher. Yeah, uh, that's Halliday. right. Never yeah, mind. They, Forget about that plane. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. There is Holliday and Holliday. Yeah, Hall, pitched for the Jays uh, for a few years. Was a the tremendous, Phillies. Yeah, and yeah, the Phillies. That's yeah. right. Tremendous pitcher. But this is Matt Holliday. Yes. And his father, I think, is was at one time. Don't know if he still is. Is the Oklahoma State baseball coach Matt Holliday, as I mentioned, a parade All-American in high school. And uh, chose baseball as his sport and went on to a pretty good career. Uh, was the MVP of the league, I think, in 07, batting, ca- uh, batting champ in the National League. And, uh, of course, won a World Series ring with the Cardinals. So uh, we'll see uh, how that young man p- progresses. I was looking maybe for a little quick article here on uh, uh, Jacob Berry uh, in that regard. But uh, Berry picked by the Marlins. Uh, the right fielder for the LSU Tigers. And then, as you mentioned, number 78, I think, was uh, the uh, the other player from LSU who was selected. Uh, I think they only went to number 80 last night, I do believe. They had uh, 
then tonight they'll go from the third round to the tenth round and then wrap it up. Uh, I, I, they got to wrap it up on All Star Night. I, I would hope during the day. Yeah, that you might. know, hopefully out of the way by the time the first pitch is thrown there in L.A. I would hope so. Before yeah. I got to think it'll be over before their uh, red carpet show on yeah. MLB Network somewhere around three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, we uh, like you, like I, we certainly hope so in that regard. So uh, anyway, uh, Cubs picked up Cade Horton uh, out of Oklahoma, pitcher yes. who uh, did some good things during the College World Series. He did, he did, and uh, Horton, of course. Uh, uh, Oklahoma trying to become the first uh, program in the country to have not only a, uh, a softball championship but a baseball championship, but that wasn't meant to be as Ole Miss took down the uh, Sooners in that regard. Uh, but uh, just an interesting day all the way around uh, with uh, with the Major League Draft and Major League Baseball, the Home Run Derby tonight. Uh, I think it starts around 7 o'clock. I would imagine. seven fifteen, seven thirty 7.30 uh, would be a time uh, for that. In the meantime, so uh, baseball uh, heating up. Uh, we're at the all-star break. Uh, and the college baseball, I notice, is going to have some rule changes here shortly, too, Jeff. They're talking about, uh, anyway, talking about the uh, 22nd timer is used to maintain a faster place in college baseball. But uh, And they're talking about if a pitcher does not act in time, a ball is going to be added to the count. On the other hand, the batter delays the game and forces the opposing pitcher to wait. A strike will be called. Boy, that's going to be controversial right there. Pitchers currently allowed an unlimited number of step-offs or fake tosses. Uh, they're talking about only giving them one. So uh, the Rules Committee proposed changes uh, to quicken the games to be uh, to pick up the pace. You know, there were sometimes college baseball games were running seven, I mean, uh, four hours. Oh, yeah. Over four hours, which is ridiculous. And uh, also uh, they're talking about no more celebrity props, too, in the dugout. You know, with oh, people. God. I mean, just, just all kinds of things. Uh, they, they wouldn't completely limit how a team could celebrate a, a scoring a home run or incredible walk-off play, but it would prevent any excessive items from being used in ways that could be viewed as distracting or create more ana- animosity towards teams. Mississippi State <laughs> would not be impacted by the new rule, but uh, prop, prop supporting SEC teams such as Tennessee and LSU would have to keep any outside items away from the field. Not sure if they're talking about Mississippi State's cowbells or not. But uh, they're talking about also starting the runner off in extra innings at uh, second base like they do in the major leagues. Uh, but, but the majors are ending that in that's part right. because it's showing not to be of use. That's right. I that's mean, right. Ba- basically, uh, you've got to score two runs then that's right. to win a game too often. <laughs> that's right. Anyway, uh, that's what we're looking off. So they've got some changes coming. Of course, these are proposals. That's not etched in stone. And we'll see. There was also talk about... Uh, Increasing the baseball scholarships from 11.7 to 25. Don't know if that's going to take place. A bit of a jump. Yeah, a big jump. Back in the day uh, when USC was winning all these national championships, uh, baseball had 18 scholarships. So um, they saw it dropped. It went from, I think, uh, 12 something to 11.7, or maybe it was 13. Dropped it to 11.7, and now they're talking about bringing it back up to uh, 25 since baseball. Uh, the popularity of uh, college baseball has really exploded. You can look at the crowds at UL and LSU and, and see that uh, UL averages 4,000-plus a game, and LSU is probably in the eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 uh, fans a game. But uh, we'll see how that all takes place. All-Star game tomorrow night. We'll have a little bit on that uh, tomorrow's show. But in the meantime, uh, 
let's go ahead and take our first break. Jeff, we've got a guest here in uh, the uh, studio. Uh, we'll talk to him momentarily. Uh, you listen to Kane Radio, Bayou Sports. We'll be back on FM 107.5 and AM 1240 right after this. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Be there this Thursday for Southern Jack Productions. Remember, never cover at the Quarter Tavern. 19 TVs has you covered for sports. No bar with more outdoor seating. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's. The best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer now just $2. Imports $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. And don't forget, Quarter Tavern now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. At Orsino Ford, we're making it even easier with our Ford Mobile Service Van. For your convenience, we have a mobile service solution for you. You provide the vehicle, and I'll handle the rest. Ford Mobile Service. We make it easy at Orsino Ford. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. In the studio with us right now is head football coach and athletic director Scott Watney from Catholic High. Good morning, Coach. Hey, good morning, Tony. And thank you for being here with Jeff and I on Bayou Sports. And, uh, Coach, uh, you know, we, we've talked to a, uh, one other coach in the area about uh, the select, non-select, and uh, pretty much uh, off the – we were talking about off air was that uh, approximately seventy eight teams have applied for appeals. Is that is that yeah? So, so yeah. So schools, once I should say that's correct. Yeah. So once the seventy eight once the uh, determination by the LHSA of what constitutes a school as being select versus non select, um, then they allowed for an appeals um, or to submit a, 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 an appeal. Uh, to go to through a process, and as it stands right now, 78 schools, 15 total parishes have appealed um, their select, I guess, quote-unquote, as today, their select status to go back to being non-select. Um, that, that decision won't be made until the next uh, executive committee, which will be on September 7th and September 8th. Um, so really and truthfully, we won't find out, I guess, a, a final result on who's in versus who's not in, right, who's considered select versus who's not considered select. You know, from a football standpoint, because it's really that's the only sport that it's going to affect in this fall, um, because girls basketball and boys basketball will be delayed, and then obviously softball and baseball they'll be delayed. So as football coaches, we won't really know and who's in the playoffs until actually probably I would say the second or third week in in September. Yeah, and even uh, the playoff format uh, yeah, seems to be up in the air too. So from what I understand, and, and talking with you know other coaches, not only in the area but you know kind of around the state, it's still going to be. I, I think they're going to use the sixteen twenty four and then hope the thirty two model. But I think twenty four is going to be pretty much the accurate 
you know where it stands at, and they want to they want to you know Eddie Bonine at the LHS the LH L H S C A, uh, the Louisiana High School Coaches Association that just took place uh, last week on uh, on the. 12th and uh, on the 13th on Tuesday and Wednesday he spoke for about 10 minutes in typical fashion he doesn't really reveal a lot of information um, just other than the fact that it's going to you know you'll know basically in season you know who you'll be playing Um, but he does want a uh, he wants four divisions on the select side and it to be an and to be equal status right or or equal in in terms of like the number of teams that's the that's the goal which then means there's going to have to be a threshold number of attendance right of of schools of what's the what's the line of demarcation you know what what makes you division one what makes you division two what makes you division three and what's division four um it'll be interesting where you know in terms of catholic high we're not going to move down and we're not going to move up um, because I don't think that number that they're going to use, and, and again, I'm, I don't even want to throw a number out there because it, it wouldn't even be accurate, but I don't think we're in a position where we're going to move, but it'll be interesting to know who moves up into ours and who moves down into ours because, you know, our division in the past has been, um, you know, we're, we're one of the reasons I would say that this decision to change the, the definition of select um, because of the number of playoff teams that we have. You know, we, we don't have a, a playoff bracket that, you know, from 1 to 16 is, is you know, is loaded. You know, we have teams that constantly are, are saying they don't want to play in, in, in the playoff system and in that results to having buys and so forth and so on. So, um, you know, I, I think 24 is going to be where it, where it sits at, you know, and just my, you know, humble opinion, I guess. And what are, what are your contemporaries, your other coaches? You know, it looks like uh, Mr. Bonine has basically said that uh, if you have open enrollment, you're a select school. And yeah. i got a lot of public schools that have open enrollment. Yeah. Uh, or so say they have, uh, you know. They have a form of it. Yeah. 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 Uh, something, uh, whether because they're their arts and sciences or they have this particular uh, mm-hmm. a field that they push. And uh, well, what are you hearing from so, some of your contemporaries? So, So one of the things that I think, you know, uh, Mr. Bonine is adamant about right is is fixing the playoff situation in terms of competitiveness, right? I mean, I think that I think everybody, you know, I think everybody can see across the state that you know the playoff brackets really on both sides, you know, select and non-select, you know, need adjusting. You know, some need more adjusting than others, others, and it's due to the fact that you know the competitive spirit of it. You know, when you got a team that's you know a softball team that's got thirty-five runs in a game, it's like you know how is that possible? You know, I mean that that's not what playoffs are supposed are, are meant to be. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna stick to his guns on this. I'd be really surprised on how many of these seventy-eight schools actually make their way from going from select back into non-select i'm not saying that some of them won't but i think he's adamant about making sure that you know they we, we change what playoffs look like um and make it in uh, you know i guess uh, even across the board on the division side um you know give an appropriate amount of teams per bracket um and have a better competitive spirit out there because it's just it's it's just not you know at the end of the day it's not um it's, it's hard to rational rationalize a one in nine team making the playoffs you know it's hard it's hard to rationalize a, a three and seven team making the playoffs, and so, um, you know, I mean, I, I think those are things that need immediate change. Um, you know, and I, I, this is the way that obviously we're going about doing it. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I know that uh, when you see all these all these principles, I know uh, we were talking about it uh, earlier this summer with regards to uh, just right up the road in Lafayette Parish. It seems like every school in that parish yep. now is, is a is a select school. Yeah, and I'm sure the uh, some of the schools there are going to uh, appeal their process. Uh, 
Uh, we uh, talked about the new school south side, uh, which basically is it, they just don't have any more room for kids, but yet it's an open enrollment school from what we understand. Right. And I'm not picking on south side. I'm yeah, just, just using just, them as an example uh, in that regard. So uh, Acadiana, Lafayette High, they're, they're open enrollment schools due to the fact Lafayette High, I think, is uh, arts and sciences and music and th- things of that nature. And Acadiana is a, has a business uh, uh, policy. They try to pro- promote business and uh, so there are other schools too. At Acadiana, football is good business. Yeah. You know that's, that's <laughs> correct. They've, they've had their share of trophies in their hands in the last few years, and then all the schools in Jefferson Parish of the public schools are, they're saying that are select. And don't know if you have still some friends down in that way in uh, New Orleans. That uh, and I think also uh, they've they've appealed. Yeah, I'm sure all the public East and West Jeff and Higgins, yeah, they've all appealed. All those schools, I'm sure uh, Grace King, all of that crowd, I'm sure his. Uh, put in their uh, paperwork to uh, say that uh, we're not a select school. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, when you look at this list, I mean, you know, you got Cameron Parish, Concordia Parish, Del Charter High School, East Iberville High School, Glen Oaks High School, Green Oaks High School, Hammond High School, Huntington High School, Jackson Parish, Jefferson Parish, Higgins High School, Livonia High School, North Caddo, Magnet High School, Northwood, and Shreveport, Orleans Parish, Plaquemines High School, Rapides Parish, Richland Parish, Slaughter Community Charter, Southside, Tangibahoa Parish, West Carroll Parish, White Castle High School, and Woodlawn and Shreveport. Those are all schools, you know, schools slash parishes that have appealed this, you know, which in total is about seven, is 78 of them. So, um, they're going to make their claim on to why they're not. Um, but I mean, the, the, the new definition is, is pretty cut and dry when you read it. I mean, at the end of the day. And so. And I think that's why they went select in the first place. It truly defines the word select. No, it absolutely does. Versus public and private, it's select versus non-select. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, you know, I mean, and this whole thing started back, you know, you know, and obviously, you know, I wasn't, you know, I, I was still playing at the time when, when all these things were, were happening, and it was right early in my coaching career, so I wasn't, I guess, as invested in the LHSA or the understanding of it, you know, but all this happened due to attendance, right? I mean, att- zone, zoning, right? You know, not letting kids cross zones and go to other schools. Um, and, you know, it, to me, over the course of the time, I feel like we've gotten away from that. You know, the, the, the premise of why it was actually instituted in the first place, and I think this is a way of, of balancing out the LHSA I mean, it is completely lopsided. You know, I mean, I was, I would say, unfortunate. You know, when I was at Hannon, you know, we were a 3A school playing 4A schools and a playoff bracket. You know, our school enrollment is 600, and then we're having to play St. Thomas More, which I'm guessing close to 1,000, you know, is what it is. I mean, there's not much equity in that. You know, there's not, there's not a lot of fairness in that. Um, but it was okay for a number of years for that to be consistent and let 3A schools play against 4A schools because there was not enough teams in the division for both of those, you know, uh, mm-hmm. classifications to play um you know so i mean i think i think we're on the right track if you ask me um you know we're we're, we're, we're moving into the direction of hopefully you know bringing this back together um you know will it will it be completely back together uh, you know i don't know it might take a long time to get to that point but i do think this is a step in the right direction um i'm all for playing 
I want our kids to experience the state of Louisiana in all aspects of it. And the only way to do that is to have a have a system in place for your kids do have to go out and travel to Shreveport to go play a game. Or your kids have to go to New Orleans to go play a game. You know what I mean? It was one of the best experiences I ever got in high school at Holy Cross. We had an 18 seed playing a 15 seed and going to airline. You know, we would have never have gotten that opportunity. I'd have never been there. You know, then the following week we go to play Acadiana. You know, so New Orleans school travels to airline in Shreveport. Then we travel to Acadiana. Indiana next week. I just think those things, I, I, you know, you just take that away from a kid, and, and, and I don't think that's right. So, you know, when you play a limited, you know, I guess playoff situation bracket-wise. So, I know I know you mentioned earlier about uh, having a, a 12 uh, or four, uh, 16 teams, 24-team bracket. You know, there were years, uh, this is going on since 2013, I do believe, when the split came about. And, you know, I looked at, uh, you know, when I do some of the high school basketball games for Catholic High, and you see where some of these teams were playing in the semifinals before they even played a game yep. in, in Division uh, Three. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just unbelievable <laughs> that a highly rated team wouldn't play a game there in the semifinals already. Well, and I think that makes it even more difficult as a coach, right? You know, because our our seasons are, you know, unlike college where you have a designated bye, you know, each, each year. You know, you don't have that in high school right so now as a as a as a coach you're having to figure out a way what do you do in those two weeks or that one week of you know of not playing a game right because you're breaking you know breaking tendencies right you practice four days you play on the fifth day you practice four days you play on the fifth day you know and then all of a sudden it's almost like we're kind of like a bowl you know we're like bowl games you know where where you're taking two week you know one week hiatus before you have to go back out and play and we don't have the luxury of you know the time that college you know has and they can bring in you know referees and do a simulated type game so we don't have those luxuries so i think it makes it more difficult personally i would never want to buy you know i mean that would my my preference i would not want it because i think it could do more harm than good for you i definitely you know there obviously are certain situations and circumstances that a buy might be beneficial you know but i think overall having your kids consistently play um matters you know and so uh i know you're right i mean who 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 wants to take a two-week bite and then play in a semifinal game win that game and then you're playing a state championship so your road to you know you used to have to play 15 weeks in order to win a state championship now you'll have to play 12 you know i mean it just it to me it just muddies the water it diminishes the reality of like what you know what you've worked so hard for is starting back you know in your summer training all the way back in your off season if you don't have that completed schedule you know um four you know playing three playoff games competitive games with a, a state championship on the fourth i think that's fine i don't have any issue with that but you know to to play two you know and then have uh, you know i i just think it's not uh, you know for the competitor aspect of it i personally don't like it i guess a 2014 bracket though would have eight buys Yes, first week. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. should. It should have. Yeah, it should. So, um, but again, you know, taking a one week buy is much different than taking a two week buy. Oh, no doubt. You know, um, and then the other thing too is, is that you know, we have not even been linked up yet. You know, with the the non select schools um, because of the fact that they're always a week ahead of us. You know, and so that makes it even difficult also on officials. You know, because you got officials that are having to go, co- you know, d- to referee in a state championship game on a select side. You know, while they're still being semifinal games. You know, so and we already have a shortage in, in officials. You know, so now you just you, you're. I, I think what the goal is is to kind of bring all this. I, I don't want to say back together. It's probably the wrong word choice to use, but you know, to bring it to a level of 
what makes sense, you know, logically, you know, and, and I think these things that we're talking about, I think make more sense than what it's been, right? Because we've all, we've all talked about how it doesn't make sense when you see this, this, and this happening in a playoff situation. I think this is going to be better. You, you mentioned uh, referee shortages, uh, officials, uh, not just referees, I guess. But yeah. The um, has it gotten worse? Because it's it's always been tight here in Acadiana. No, it's that, statewide. Well, is it just? Oh no! It, oh yeah! No, definitely no. It's it's across the board. I mean, you know, and and for many reasons, you know, I can understand why somebody wouldn't want to to be an official in this day and age. You know, even if you just look at some of the things on social media that happen at you know youth ballparks and everything else, it's it's crazy. The you know, uh, I guess the hatred that people get from doing this their their job because um, it is a pretty selfless job at the end of the day. Um, they have a they have a big role to play in each game but um no i mean across the board i mean especially in acadiana i mean we have we have to take a thursday game you know because we don't we don't have enough officials to be able to you know officiate all friday night games um you know in orleans parish obviously they play on third they play thursday friday and saturday right to accommodate you know official shortage but also stadium 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 issues more than that but across the state you're just running into it so having i think the playoff systems be in unison, right, and, and working cohesively where select's playing at the same time. It's non-select. You know, you're playing first-round games and at the same time, second-round games at the same time. Um, I think, you know, I think makes it easier. In the long run, do you feel that uh, – how many you think of these 78 schools have a legitimate uh, shot of uh, being pushed back into the non-select? Any idea, any thought process? No. From what you're hearing from coaches even, yeah. that maybe will push into the select. Yeah, I haven't personally talked to anybody, you know, that's in, in, in that category of the 78. Um, I, I, you know, and I don't know, I don't know every school system, so I don't know what, what's, what, you know, what's, what makes sense for some schools, you know, and I can, you know, buy it for a dollar that, yeah, they get pushed back versus another. Um, but I just think in my heart, I think Eddie Bonine's going to stick to his guns on this, you know, and I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not saying that 78 of them are all going to stick and they're all going to be select, but I do think that he is, um, he's made it, abundantly clear in his conversations and the way he words things in his emails that I do think that he's going to he wants to see he wants to see the playoff system change and I think the only way to see the playoff system change is to not let 70 schools jump to the other side because if that's the case then you're going back to having you know it's going to be an imbalance again you know and, and that's the goal is to not is to eliminate the imbalance and create balance well he's uh, I was going to say the other caveat though is What's going to happen in January when the principals uh, gather again? Well, well, see, and that's the other thing, too, is, is that, you know, so, you know, you have the appeals process, you find out, and then the principals can easily vote against this again. You know, and it's just, it, it, and I'll be honest, you know, for me, it, it's so much, I'm going to use the, the D word. Uh, to me, it's so much drama, you know, like to just constantly be up and like figuring out wh- who's thinking what, what schools are doing what, you know, for me personally, and how we're going to handle that Catholic High, tell us who we're playing. You know what I'm saying? Like, tell us who we're playing, and then we'll go figure out a way to go try and win. Um, you know, I mean, that's the only way, I think, to, to do it because, you know, trying to get ahead of this is like every time you, you, you think you know something regarding the LHSA, you don't know. You know, and then they do something else, and then it changes, and it's just back and forth. So I guess we'll find out in January if it's going to stick, um, you know, and that'll be a very interesting interesting meeting to attend <laughs> I, I i just hope it is based on how it all works out in the end yeah uh, you know if if we do see pretty much a balanced if we see uh, 70 of these schools lose their appeals uh, and and it's more of a balanced playoff system and if it works hopefully it'll stick 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's I, I think that's the end, you know the end goal is is to see if it works. And football is a great way of of kind of uh, I guess a barometer of measuring that. Um, but it'll be it'll be interesting because I can tell you, you know, not only will the principals get an opportunity to vote, but our select school principals and athletic directors they'll have they'll have a response to whatever that response is you know so if principals say no then and we go back to the way that it was then i can tell you that the people in our select school committees are are, they're going to be they're going to have a plan b you know if this doesn't go forward yeah and also with with regards to that too with the split the way uh boning has uh basically separated the schools it's about even now with about 200 one way, 195 yeah. the other, somewhere in that system. But when you think about it, if he wants four divisions, you're talking about 50 teams mm-hmm. in each division. So in uh, a 24-team playoff bracket, uh, it pretty much uh, you've got to be at least 500 to get well, to the playoff. Well, and I think that, again, I think that's the that's the end goal for him, right, is just to change, change what, you know, has been, I guess, uh, you know, normal in our playoff situation since 2013 um, is to, is to make sure that you know there's balance. You know, and and I and yeah, I mean five and five, six and four, seven and three. Those are records, in my opinion, that indicate you being worthy of being in a playoffs. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, PowerPoints plays a factor in that and everything else, and you know who'd you play versus you know who you didn't play. But no, I mean you're right. I mean basically, you know, when you just do simple math, you're talking about 50 percent of those teams. You know, won't, won't even make the playoffs bracket which you know if there's 50 in each one of those divisions you know to me that that that's better than what it is right now that's for sure yeah it it used to be and i i don't know when this changed maybe uh, after katrina uh, certain dynamic as far as private schools uh, are, are an explosion there were about 320 football playing schools back in the early 2000s five classifications you had you know roughly 60 to 64 schools in each classification and half the teams made the playoffs correct and to get back to that i think would be a good thing no i agree whole like, like i said i mean you know and i was in those early 2000s as a 2000 and 2004 you know holy cross uh you know athlete and i mean i loved my i loved my high school experience, you know, and, and I love the idea of getting back to what you just said, Jeff, I think would be great. And I think if we, if it stays close to the number that we talked about, you know, there still is more public schools than there are select schools right now. But if it stays, you know, that, that almost even split on both sides, I think we'll accomplish that goal. And I think it will be better for it. You know, I, yeah. th- I really do. Yeah. I didn't realize this. When you think about it, there's roughly 400, uh, high schools that play football in the state of louisiana and that's a uh, come a long way in the yeah, last definitely. few years with and i don't know how many charter schools or magnet schools most of them play football today too yep it looks like so yeah. uh, when those schools generally were more academic oriented with more olympic type sports meaning spring sports and tennis and volleyball and things of that nature not football yeah and football is the big uh, the bell call for most uh, high schools too where and not all make money, but that's if high school is going to make money, it seems like yeah. football is where they're going to make it. No, I, yep, I agree with that. Speaking of uh, your team, uh, how are we looking so far? Man, it's been great. You know, uh, one of probably the biggest notable changes is is our staff. Um, you know, we've increased our staff from 
roughly four guys last year to almost 11 now um those are not all faculty members but you know guys that'll be non-faculty coaches um that's been great you know we don't have the same numbers as we did last year you know i think we finished around 78 kids or 80 kids um we're down to 60 uh part of that is just due to the enrollment at catholic high and this senior class um which you know last year we graduated 93 and then this year we only have 60 i think 63 mm. so um you know but my my junior my sophomore and my freshman classes are, are are healthy and full you know i got a 22 junior class uh of kids i got uh 18 sophomores and 18 freshmen so you know at a 2a school you know uh, you know the, the the magic number to me is 20 you know but if you're sitting between 15 and 20 each class i mean i think that's a that, that's a that's a great you know 2a uh squad um so we're a little bit down but i think we'll get picked back up obviously the following year i only have five seniors this year five great seniors five kids that are committed um five great leaders um but i mean no it's going well you know we finish this week up and then we'll do a little chs training camp uh next week uh and then we get to start early because we didn't do spring football so um we're excited for this season we got young talent you know we got a lot of young talent i mean we saw some of that talent that played in our basketball and baseball games this past year um so you know those guys got a lot of experience which is typical you know in those sports of freshmen being able to start you know on a basketball team or a baseball team um kind of unheard of or it's not common you know where you have freshmen that are starting on your football team um but we're gonna have a lot of sophomores and juniors that you know have gotten some experience in football but haven't been the guy so that's going to be the biggest thing for us is you know do these do these young guys grow up fast and and do what i think they're capable of doing then i think we'll be fine um you know they don't have uh they don't have a long time to grow up they got to grow up pretty quickly um you know and in depth obviously you know i mean when you don't have those numbers you know depth matters um so you know injuries is going to be one of those key components for us is you know we can't get the we we, we can't afford to have injuries and we can't get the wrong people hurt you know that's the other thing also uh finally uh, i saw where there was a nice article put out by uh Crescent City Sports yeah. with Kenny Trahan. Yeah, Ken. interviewed you uh, this yeah. past week or whatever. Yeah, he, he, we didn't get a chance to talk actually on the phone. He, I had sent him our questionnaire, um, and then I, I guess based off of that, he did it. But Ken's a good friend of mine. Um, yeah, he wrote a nice article. I thought everything that he said in the article was was spot on. Um, you know, so I mean, we we've had changes that have been made. I think those changes are for the better. Um, you know, our staff, like I said, has grown. You know, we do have you know we have inexperienced talent. So we have talent. We just have inexperience. You know. The only way they're going to get experience is to put them on a Friday night. Um, and then, obviously, we got to make sure that, you know, we stay healthy. And, you know, a large part of that falls on us as coaches, you know, from a practice standpoint. You know, but the other thing is we need a little bit of luck, you know. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you need a little bit of luck to keep kids uh, healthy. So looking forward to a great season, that's for sure. Anyway, Coach, uh, we want to thank you for coming in today and taking some time from your busy schedule. I know uh, you have other plans later on during the week. Anyway, uh, we look forward maybe to the, to, I guess, five or six weeks to the Catholic High Coaches Show. Coming yeah, absolutely. This year. And, yep. uh, looking forward to uh, those Monday nights from 6 o'clock to a little, little before 7. So, uh, again, good luck well, to you, Jeff. Before we let you go, can you tell us anything about the Jamboree this year, its format, and those kind of things? Yeah, so we're not in the Iberia Parish okay. Jamboree. We, we, we moved um, we moved out and we're playing um, in the I want to say the Opelousas Jamboree it's, or St Edmunds. We're playing in a Eunice one, put it that way. So we're we're going to St Edmunds and uh, we're going to play Opelousas Catholic, and then St Edmunds I think is uh, they may be playing Opelousas High. I'm not, I'm not sure who they're playing, but we'll be the first game. Um, you know there there was too much 
commotion going on with Iberia Parish Jamboree for me personally. So uh, we, we stepped away from it. Um, so we'll see if we get back into it or not. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know the format. I don't know who's playing who. Fair enough. Tony? Yeah, Coach, again, thank you, and uh, good luck, and uh, stay in touch, Coach, and uh, we'll yep. have you back in uh, five or six weeks with the Catholic High Coaches Show. All right, fellas, thanks so much. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and take a break. You're listening to Kane Radio, FM 107.5, AM 1240. We'll be back with more with Bayou Sports right after this. Hey, guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Kane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Be there this Thursday for Southern Jack Productions. Remember, never a cover at the Quarter Tavern. 19 TVs has you covered for sports. No bar with more outdoor seating. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's. The best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer now just $2. Imports $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. And don't forget, Quarter Tavern now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. Hi, this is Larry Miller from your locally owned and operated McDonald's. We've added some sweet treats to the menu, and they're available all day long. We're introducing three new items, cinnamon rolls, apple fritters, and blueberry muffins. Pair them with a cup of fresh hot coffee, maybe a mocha frappe, or even one of our espresso drinks, and you are good to go. McDonald's and Bakery, I'm loving it. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Louisiana. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the LHSAA and the Louisiana High School Athletic Directors Association. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. And uh, yesterday concluded an exciting day in golf over in Mario, England, I should say, Scotland, as uh, Cameron Smith uh, has a one-stroke uh, advantage and wins the uh, Open over in uh in England, I should say, in Scotland again, uh, at St. Andrews, the 150th anniversary, uh, Cameron Smith had rounds of 67, 64, 73, and 64 for 268. Cameron Young, who uh, also was uh, in there, uh, he uh, shot 269, which was, uh, I believe, uh, with par, I think he was 17 under or 18 under. And um, elsewhere, Rory McIlroy gave it a run, but uh, just wasn't meant to be. 
Uh, didn't see the end of the tournament because I forgot this tournament. <laughs> By 2 o'clock or 1 o'clock, it's pretty much over in the afternoon. You know what? I uh, turned it on, and McElroy was up two strokes with about nine holes to go. That's right. And I said, I, I mean, I'm interested enough to see the end, but I wasn't interested to see seven more holes. So I flipped uh, to whatever else, uh, and then I forgot to flip back. Next thing I know, uh, Cameron Smith's the winner. Yeah, at 1 o'clock, I figured they would play till maybe the evening. Uh, of course, five, six-hour difference. I thought maybe 6, 7 o'clock they'd still be playing like they do here in this country. And 1 o'clock, I switched it to uh, try to find the golf tournament, the Open Championship, and it wasn't anywhere to be found on cable TV. So I just said, oh, well, I'll see if I – and they were talking. I put it on the golf channel. Of course, they were talking about uh, Cameron Smith winning in the tournament, shooting 64 in the final round. Uh, and pretty much uh, sewed it up, uh, but it got to be tight. You know, like you mentioned, McElroy had a chance to win that tournament, and uh, not sure what took place in the final rounds. But uh, I know that uh, Cameron Smith, I think, sank a long putt on one hole. I can't remember if it was seventeen or, or even or sixteen or eighteen. But uh, I should have followed that up this morning uh, with the, the Sports Channel, but I did not do it. So, but Cameron Smith, two sixty eight, the Open champion, and. Uh, that young man, uh, has, uh, has, as they say, uh, brings home the trophy over in, uh, in Scotland. And, uh, let's see if I can find, uh, let's see, uh, I'm just trying to, uh, get, uh, see if I could find just, uh, the article on that, uh, particular tournament, uh, but, uh, don't see it right now. And um, I well, know. you know, one of the things I saw, and again, uh, by no means am I a PGA expert or right. major uh, golf uh, expert, uh, but Smith, a very aggressive player, and I understand he stayed pretty much true to that game. It was four strokes uh, off the pace of McElroy at the start. Um, kind of a tough third round, but he really rebounded in the fourth. Yeah, that's right. Uh, who was it? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I found an article. Someone asked, would you drink out of the jug that has been home to bugs, a barbecue sauce, corn liquor, gallons of liquor, and what if it were the claret jug? I think that someone asked that question of uh, uh, Cameron uh, Smith, and it's uh, just shy of 150 years old, bruised, battered, and chipped and dented hundreds, if not thousands, placed their lips on the rim of the silver chalice. It's traveled the world, been up all hours already, and uh, they asked, uh, I think uh, Cameron Smith mentioned, that he would uh, would rather have a beer or whatever out of the claret uh, uh, jug. So uh, anyway, um, Cameron Smith, uh, you know, Phil Mickelson uh, won the 2013 Open Championship and drank a forty thousand dollar wine out of it. Uh, Stuart Sank put the Guinness in for his first drink in the 2009 Open Championship. <laughs> McElroy, who won in 2014, poured in Jägermeister. <laughs> <laughs> of course, everybody knows uh, if you have any type of uh, uh, inclination to drink a little alcohol, know what uh, Jägermeister is. Uh, but the different champions, uh, Ben Curtis isn't quite sure what he'll put in it. Uh, a three-time Open champion, Tiger Woods, said that Clara Jug never left his house, but he did drink many different liquors out of it. Justin Leonard, the 99 winner, had his share of his mother's tea from it. And as for food, we turned to the 2015 winner, Zach Johnson, ate corn out of it. Mm. John Daly, the winner in 95, wasn't drinking at the time, so he gulped down chocolate ice cream out of the jug. I guess that's a tradition. I wasn't aware of 
with regards to the claret jug. Uh, other players have put champagne, Coke, Pepsi, cheap beer, wine, milk, and good old-fashioned water out of the jug. But three-time Open champ Jack Nicholas, who said holding the claret jug was like holding a newborn baby, put nothing in it but air. Uh, never put anything in the claret jug. I know it's the claret jug, but always I thought it was disrespectful to be drinking out of it. I've seen guys that have done it in the past, but I've always respected it. They cleaned it out before I got there, and I didn't want to dirty it up. Never used a claret jug for anything other than what it was symbolized, the champion golfer of the year. Anyway, if you all regard... Uh, the winner doesn't hold on to the jug for a year, does it? I think he does. Oh, really? I okay. think he does. That, that looks like in that article they're drinking out of it. But, you know, the the Indy 500 champion drinks milk. and uh, I well, don't That's know, all about sponsors. Yeah, and I'm not so sure there was a couple winners that I don't think they drank the milk. <laughs> they didn't particularly care for the dairy product. Yeah, the last thing I want to do on a hot day, on a hot track, is drink milk. I mean, I, I've, I've been off milk since I've pretty much been an adult because no other adult mammals drink milk, especially from a different animal. That's right. So anyway, I I, I enjoy a little dairy in regard to cheese and yogurt, uh, but that's about it. Yeah, anyway, uh, our, our, our local PGA professional has uh, walked into the office and Maybe we can get a little more instinct of what took place here at the Open. Uh, Jeff and I both uh, turned it on at 1 o'clock, and uh, the tournament was basically over. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I turned it on right after Mass and uh, had a little breakfast, watched a little bit of it, then went and hit some balls and came back and watched the end. But whew, what an exciting Open. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about that, you know, as I was watching it, and, and it's specifically the last two holes, we talked last week about how golf in the United States is so different than in, in uh, Great Britain, how in the United States you play the, go- play the game in the air, you know, because the, the golf courses are flush and, and plush and, you know, you're hitting over sand traps. And, and, uh, and it rolls a little bit, too. They got little, they got little but bumps in, 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 in it. Overseas, it, it does a lot of rolling. You okay. know, that, that the, in other words, the opposite is, in the United States, the ball's played in the air, and there it's played on the ground. And that came out so much on the last two holes. If you noticed, um, Cameron Smith, he he uh, he missed the green on the road hole number seventeen, and he was about thirty feet off the off the green, and he used his putter to put the ball up. Uh, a miraculous shot. People don't understand how hard that shot is, and and it rolls nine feet from the pin, and he makes that putt to save his par. Then on the last hole, he hits a, a beautiful drive, but it didn't have enough umph to get up on the green. Some some of the players were driving the green, and he he ended up in the valley of sin, which is that big old hump, uh, you know, in front of the green. And then he hit the most miraculous putt from once again thirty something feet off the green. And the ball moves sideways and comes towards a hole, you know, a f- two feet for, for his, his birdie. So that shows you how you have to learn to play over there. You can't just be a good golfer, uh, you know, a, a, an outstanding professional. You have to learn to play the game like they do in, in, in Lynx golf, and that's on the ground. But uh, well, what an exciting fit. My mom would have been a great Lynx golfer. <laughs> ever, nothing ever got above two feet off the <laughs> Only one in the family with a hole-in-run, too. Your mom? 
Yeah. <laughs> and the question we're questioning you about is the Claret Jug. Is that uh, they keep it for a year, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they were drinking out of it and everything else. And they asked <laughs> they asked Smith about what was he gonna drink out of it. And I can't remember his. Uh, he, he said, his "I'm quote. A, I'm gonna see how many beers fits in this thing." <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they've drinking milk out of it, corn. I was reading all the different winners yeah. over the years. Uh, uh, John Daly didn't put anything in it. Uh, Jack Nicholas said, I drink air out of it. <laughs> he says, you don't disrespect the jug. Uh, I didn't put anything in it. But others have put corn, have put milk, beer, uh, just everything under the sun. Even one of them, I, I think it was McElroy, put Jägermeister in it, Could drank be. out of it. Uh, yeah. So uh, he had his chance to put some more Jägermeister. <laughs> in it this year but it didn't work out for him as he uh he, he, fell uh, behind the, the amazing statistic to me was uh his putting you know he, he two putted every hole he had 34 putts he hit two of the par fives and two and made two putt birdie and uh cameron smith had nine putts less than he did for the whole for the whole tournament that's that's a lot you know when you when you, he had 25 putts he had he, I think he one putted six of the last nine greens. Oh wow! And, and that given, given you twelve putts, he was making putts. Golly, that was a difference, you know. And like I said, those last two holes, and and, and you know that's not considered putting when he when he hit off from thirty feet off the green and rolled it up, and, and the ball trickles down. That that that's not a putt. That's considered a chip. Putting is when you're actually on the putting surface. So. His 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 finishing club was perfect. Well, you'd mentioned last week that uh, the greens are enormous, mm, and uh, yeah. you know, so uh, putting from uh, probably 150 feet, yeah. you know, in some regards, and then uh, just undulation of those greens, you know, with a ball you're putting and it's running sideways when you hit it forward. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to be said uh, and, for that. And if you watch the, the the tournament closely, you know, you saw people hitting drives that. You know, a foot more to one side would give you a bad bounce, and a foot more to the other side give you a, a favorable bounce, and, and and that's part of St. Andrews golf. You know, I mean, that's part of Lynx golf. Period. You know, I mean, because most of the courses are, are similar to that. You know, that you uh, you're gonna, gonna have to watch out for those low pothole bunkers, and and just you know avoid them best you can. And if you hit them, it's 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 a bogey or worse. How'd the road hole do to this weekend? They Did played four point five, which number fourteen is a par five, a very easy par five because it was downwind. It played four point five yesterday, and the road hole played four point five. So it's it's uh, no it's, tragedy in the road hole this no, year. No, not that I know of. You know, nobody Somebody that made was an in eight contention. or nine. Yeah, those guys hit some off, awfully great drives on that hole. You know, and and and. Three of the four of them hit the green. Cameron Smith was the only one didn't hit the green, and yet he, he saved, you know, with that miraculous putt up the hill. And once again, you'd have to see it to, to, to really appreciate how hard a shot that is. There's so much touch involved in that. You have to putt the ball. You cannot chip the grasses. You know, like they were saying, the, the fairways were running as fast as the greens. The, the grass on, on the greens and, and in the fairways and the slopes or cut the same height, you know, and there's very little difference, very, very little difference. And he had no choice but to put that, you know, and he had to aim it to miss the bunker because if he goes a foot or so to the left, he rolls into the pothole bunker. And then when the ball gets up there, it's going to go off to the right away from the pin. What what a great shot. Did, did you think 20 under would win this tournament? Yeah, I did. You know, they were talking about how, how the course was going to play easy because the wind was down, and, and with the fa- – fast fairways they were saying you know it brings in a lot of the shorter knockers which it did you know i mean uh, 
uh, yeah, I th- I, uh, 20 under is a record. I think it tied the record with Dustin Johnson and a couple others. Uh, At St. Know. Andrews. No, no, the, major, uh, the major, open, yeah, major, major tournaments. Okay, I think Dustin Johnson a couple years ago. I think the COVID year shot twenty under at, at Augusta National, but uh, the sixty four uh, is the lowest round at St Andrews. I think by two shots. I think Zach Johnson when he won twenty fifteen, maybe uh, he shot sixty six on the last round at St Andrews to win. Well, but that's Smith, the lowest last round at St Andrews. Okay, but Smith shot two sixty fours in yeah, this tournament too. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty too. impressive. The first time that's ever happened, you know. Uh sixty four bookend sixty fours and the other Cameron did just as well in my opinion to eagle the last hole and put that pressure. I mean that and then they put the jinx on on poor Cameron Smith. They said, Wow, this is the same length putt Doug Sanders missed in nineteen seventy to uh go in a playoff with Jack Nicholas and we all know what happened there. Jack beat him the next day in an 18-hole playoff. But, yeah, uh, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of disappointment. Poor Rory's got to sit on that for, for six months to, to the Masters and, and, and knowing that he was knocking on the door so, so hard and, and, the, and the crowds were pulling for him because, you know, he's a, he's a British Isle guy from Ireland. So it, it's, uh, it's hard to take, and he played such bland golf. You know, just hitting the ball on the greens and two putting. His leg putting was phenomenal, but the balls wouldn't wouldn't drop for him. And that that's the name of the game. You know, I mean those those other two Cameron boys, they they were making putts left and right. You know? Well, a lot more tonight on chip shots. I, I yeah, do perceive. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it tonight with Box Score and and get his perspective as well. You know, but uh, an exciting open and uh, glad, glad it happened and uh, looking forward to next year. I love I love the majors. You know, that's. That's I love to watch them. I don't, is, I don't particularly watch golf otherwise. Is it a shame that uh, there's still golf after the last major? It, it, would there be a way to? You know, uh, they, they, Jeff, they showing tradition, I guess. Yeah, they've tried things. You know, like they created the FedEx Cup to create some excitement and stuff, and you know, all, all the other stuff. Like I mean, you get the Ryder Cup too every Ryder other Cup year, and the President's Cup, and all that, but. To me, you know, golf's an individual sport. It's not a team sport. And they try to make it a team sport, and I think that's a good thing. You know, in college, in the pros, like they did at the Zurich in New Orleans, it's exciting and fun for the fans. But in, in the at the end of the day, it, tradition has it, and it's an individual sport. And, and, and those people who win the majors, you know, Bobby Jones and, and Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicklaus once created that, you know, especially Bobby Jones winning the Grand Slam. Because the Grand Slam back then in 1930 was totally different. It was the two amateur championships, the U.S. Amateur and the British Amateur, and the U.S. Open and the British Open that comprised the Grand Slam. And then, you know, they built Augusta National, and that became, you know, a major so I mean a lot of there's a lot of stuff's going to go on after after the the major season's over with but uh you know to me it's just like well I don't know it's it's a letdown I understand anyway but tonight on chip shots a little after five o'clock uh, you and boxcar be on talking about the open and other golfing uh in the area and around the world absolutely we look look forward to that for sure. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for coming right. in on us Take with care. this morning on Bayou Sports. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break. You're listening to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be back with uh, Today in Sports History right after this. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. 
We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. At Arsenal Ford, we're making it even easier with our Ford mobile service van. For your convenience, we have a mobile service solution for you. You provide the vehicle, and I'll handle the rest. Ford Mobile Service. We make it easy at Arsenal Ford. Hi, this is Boxcar Bajlow, inviting you to join me and PGA Golf Professional Teddy Sliman for Chip Shots. Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m., we'll take an in-depth look at the local, state, and national golf scenes. And we invite you to chip in with your calls at 367-1240. Chip Shots is sponsored by the Coca-Cola Bottling Company, GolfBalls.com, and our local golf clubs, Eagle Ridge, Kangaroo, and Sugar Rope. So let's make it tea time for 5 p.m. on Mondays for Chip Shots on Kane. Stream us live on Kane1240.com and catch the podcast the next day. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on this Monday, July the 18th. Uh, of course, today in sports history. Anyway, uh, 1913, after 68 straight innings, Christy Mathewson gives up a walk. And I, I wanted to... Uh, uh, Look that up a little clearer to make sure that that's still the record. Uh, not sure if it is or isn't, but, you know, Jeff, 68 straight innings without giving up a walk is pretty impressive. Without a walk, but he may have given up a hit. Uh, oh, absolutely. Okay, okay, absolutely. Yeah, but yeah. not giving up a walk. In other words, control. Yeah. And, uh, wow. Anyway, 1921, Babe Ruth achieves. Uh, you know, Babe Ruth's been in the news the last few weeks. He he. Hit the 139 home runs, becomes the all-time home run leader in Major League Baseball. And that title, taking that title from Roger Connor in 1921, 139 home runs, the all-time leader. In 1927, Ty Cobb gets his 4,000th Major League uh, career hit, a record of 41-91. But then I think it was adjusted. They knocked off two hits. Why? I can't recall. To 41-89, of course, Pete Rose. Uh, beats that mark with 4,256 hits, uh, I think, in the 85-86 season. In 1951, Jersey Joe Walcott at 37 becomes the oldest to win the heavyweight championship. 1960, baseball National League votes to add Houston and New York franchises, which, which become the Mets and the Colt 45s, which uh, the Colt 45s, when they moved to the Astrodome, became the Astros. 69, Joe Namath agrees to sell his interest in Bachelors 3 to stay in the NFL. <laughs> you know, I think Pete Rozelle told him either you sell the uh, nightclub or or uh, get out of football, and Namath I wanted to stay in football. But uh, it would seem that uh, a lot of uh, irregulars were attending his club, and uh, and uh, the commissioner wanted to clean it up. And in 1975, the jury can't decide on the trial of Dave Forbes. Jeff, you probably remember this. The Boston Bruins athlete was indicted for excessive violence during playing on the ice. Is that right? Yeah. So, uh, Dave there Forbes. There have been some criminal arrests. Uh, very few. Very few. And hockey, uh, and of hockey. course, people go to see a fight and a hockey match yeah. breaks out. It, the, the games, with more European players uh, and the tighter rules on uh, fighting, you don't see it nearly as much as you used to. And, I'm, and that's, 
I, I don't watch hockey to see fights. Sure. You, know, you want to see a good match. Exactly. That's what you want to see. And defense, watch that goalie knock him away, uh, put the puck mostly. Anyway, in 1982 in the British Open men's golf at Royal Troon, American Tom Watson wins his fourth Open championship. 1987, New York Yankees Don Mattingly uh, ties the record of homers with hitting eight homers in eight consecutive games. Pretty impressive. 1999, the New York Yankees David Cohn becomes the 15th pitcher to throw a perfect game, beating Montreal 6-0. Furthermore, that day the Yankees were honoring Yogi Berra on catching Don Lawson's World Series perfect game against the Dodgers from 56. Berra threw out the ceremonial first pitch of the day of all things. Don Larson, uh, who threw the only perfect game of World Series play, uh, is there that day along with Barra, the the uh, battery combination to watch a perfect game in Yankee Stadium. Excellent. Yeah, birthdays today. Joe Torre, uh, American uh, a baseball outfielder, manager, infielder with the Braves, Mets, was the Cardinals' 1971 MVP of the league, born in Brooklyn, New York. Of course, Torre being 82. 82 today. Elsewhere, Calvin Pete, 1943, the American golfer, 12 PGA Tour titles, born in Detroit, Michigan. Of course, Calvin Pete, African-American, just a fine golfer and a gentleman. 1957, Nick Faldo, the English golfer, winning uh, the Masters, his birthday today. He was born in Hertfordshire, uh, England. 1971, Anthony Penny Hardaway. Of course, you remember all those little commercials with Anthony Hardaway, uh, American basketball guard in the NBA and All-Star, Olympic gold medal in 96 with Orlando Magic, the Phoenix Suns, and the Knicks, born in Memphis on this day. And the quote of the day, and uh, oh, Yogi, he's at it again. Uh, one of his redundant quotes, it's deja vu all all over there again. You go. <laughs> Yogi Berra. Sports history today here on July the 18th. We, we missed a good one yesterday. Yes. Because we didn't uh, do the show, of course. Uh, yesterday, it was the end of Joe DiMaggio's streak. Well, he didn't oh, get a hit on this right. day in 19, on yesterday in 1941. So really, the streak ended the day before. Yeah, it says on this date in 41, Cleveland held Joe DiMaggio hitless at three at-bats, ending his... Only three at-bats? Yeah, he must have walked one time, maybe. Maybe so, maybe and so. And hit street at 56, the longest in Major League history. After the streak, though, was halted, he went on another 16-game hitting streak in a row, so he could have been in the 73 bracket in that matter. So, uh, But you ready for this? Joe's brother, Dom, hitting 34 straight games as a mes- member of the Red Sox in 49. And, of course, the team that stopped his streak? The Yankees. There you go. Anyway, that's Baseball sports today. symmetry. That's right. Anything else before we wrap it up? No, that's about it. Uh, we'll have uh, more on sports history tomorrow, along with uh, uh, the who won the home run derby last uh, tonight, and uh, of course the All Star game uh, tipping off around seven fifteen or so from Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. So, other than that, Jeff, we'll be back with more tomorrow. Big thanks to Scott Watney for joining us, and big thanks to our sponsors, including. Our Snow Ford, L.A. Classic Roofing, the Quarter Tavern, Cane Row Golf and Turf Club, and Schwing Insurance. Appreciate their support of Bayou Sports Afternoons. Brought to us by David Funeral Homes. It's Lee K. back with us to conclude the Breakfast Club. You're listening to KANE 1240 AM and K298CQ 107.5 FM, New Iberia. The Voice of the Tash. Louisiana Radio Network News, I'm Kevin Gallagher. Six juvenile inmates escaped from the troubled Bridge City Center for Youth in Jefferson Parish in the overnight hours of Sunday morning. Five were captured in relatively short order, but a fifth, who had an adult accompaniment,